Welcome to the Female Founder Squad podcast. So today is our penultimate podcast in the series of female founders and inspiring women in tech. And we're delighted to have with us today Nama Barnia Gorali, MD. Nama is originally from Israel, but uh, now lives and works in the US, in California. And Nama is the founder of Girl Intelligence, a really great app we wish we all had when we were growing up. So Nama, welcome. It's so good to have you here. As we were just discussing, it's taken quite a while for us to get this mm-hmm. podcast recorded through rescheduling illness, yada, yada. We're, finally, we're here. So welcome to the Female Founder Squad podcast. How are you today? Awesome. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's such a pleasure. Now, we met Clubhouse a few months back now. I think we were both on a room regarding, was it sisterhood over competition? Was it, it was something around women empowerment and female mm-hmm. networks. And we ended up on the panel together and realized that actually we needed to, we needed to connect because we mm-hmm. have the same, very much the same passions. And so it's just great to have you here and discuss your, your app, Girl Intelligence, and just a little bit about who you are and how you got to where you are today because I think you have such an inspiring story and certainly the outlook is really fitting with the Female Founder Squad. So on that note, I know after doing some research, you were brought up in Israel. I know you went to med school there. Can you tell me a little bit about your history and growing up there, how you got into med school? What was your inspiration around that? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Israel for the most part. I spent two years in England, actually, when I was very oh, little. You? Yeah, oh. in London. Oh, very um, good. Yeah. So my dad did his postdoctoral fellowship, which is funny because later on I did my postdoctoral fellowship in the States. But yeah, so we spent, so when I was three, we moved to London to five right. to two mm-hmm. years. And that's mm-hmm. where I learned English, ah, which was okay. such an incredible gift to knowing, you know, to learn English at, at that young of an age yeah and then I grew up in Israel and then we spent another year through my dad's job in the U.S. so ninth grade of high school mm-hmm. I was in the U.S. I actually had a British accent until that year <laughs> then I got rid of it because uh, they made fun of me and I was always interested in science and medicine I think when I was in kin- no, in first grade, I had this little bag in my backpack to treat kids who were wounded on the playground. <laughs> so, oh my God, that's so cute. Nobody knew of my existence. <laughs> you know, the nurse didn't know why she's getting less scrapes and splinters, but I was there like, you know, I had the tweezers to take the splinters out. Oh, I love so, that. I always loved that. And so it kind of, and then in high school, I just loved science. So it was kind of a natural choice to like I was interested in so I was interested in fashion design I was interested in that you know how you know as we are as we grow up we think of different things but and then I went to the military which is uh, mandatory in Israel so I went to the military for two years and in the military I decided to apply to med school okay so in Israel you I think it's the same in Europe you apply to med school you don't here in the U.S. where I'm now you apply to undergrad and then you apply to med school right you you do pre-med yeah Um, yeah in Israel, it's a six-year program, so I applied to that. How was that? Let's, it's somewhere that, I mean, you know, my parents went there a couple of years ago and absolutely loved it. They're, they just mm-hmm. thought it was such an amazing place. How was that? It was awesome. That was my dream school. Like, not just because, I mean, the school is amazing, but also I do, I really wanted to live in Jerusalem for a part of my life. And yeah. it's just such an amazing 
it's just nothing like it in the world. It's really an amazing city. It's so beautiful, so much history there. And, you know, at the time, also the culturally, it's just really, yeah. it was really an yeah. interesting experience. I didn't grow up in Jerusalem, so it was like a whole new experience. Yeah. And you met your husband there? Yeah, we met in, in after, you know, it was funny. I guess I could say this. I don't think I've ever said it on air. So I took a year off between fourth year and fifth year and I traveled the world. I was in South right. America. Really? When I came back, I was with the, with the younger year, right? That yeah. I mostly didn't know. I knew a couple, I had a couple of good friends there, but I didn't know most of the year. He was there and I didn't know obviously at the time. Yeah. Um, and I had a boyfriend at the time. Okay. And uh, so I was walking one day on the lecture hall, the top of the, le like, you know, this huge lecture hall. Yeah. And yeah. I saw him. I didn't know him. I've never seen him before. I saw him walking, like, you know, where the lecturer is. Yeah. And I said to my friend, who's that guy? And she's like, who? And I was like, that really good looking guy. <laughs> and that's how we met. And, oh, of course, I love you it. know. We bro I broke up with my boyfriend unrelated to this oh, that's a few cute. months later and then we got together yeah brilliant brilliant so <laughs> then what, what was the journey like then so both of you met in, in Jerusalem you finished um, med school then mm -hmm. you ended up you both ended up obviously in the US what was mm -hmm. the journey how did that come about yeah so we went we did our internship together in yeah. Haifa which is where I'm from which is a city up north in Israel mm -hmm. and then he started having doubts about medicine because he's a very creative person and medicine isn't as creative as people think it's yeah. not creative at all actually you have to yeah. follow protocols because this is what yeah should be you know yeah that's 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 a good thing you really should there's follow. No, there's no thinking outside the box really <laughs> not really not really he loves building things and he has been programming since he was like born he was one of yeah. those kids you know didn't come from his family he discovered it on his own you know bought his own computer for his bar mitzvah self-taught you know, self-taught. Yeah. yeah. And he made money throughout med school, writing software and doing, you know. Yeah, which so back he was then, like, I guess, would have been quite, yeah. you know, unusual to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was really something he loved. He thought it was a hobby, but then he realized it's, you know, it's a good job. So he found a job here in the Silicon Valley. I was starting my residency in, in child and adolescent psychiatry. Yeah, in Israel, so we were we were actually separated for six months right after we got married. So he figured out if he wants to stay here and pursue this program, you know, computer science programming career, uh, or go back to medicine. And I did my residency in Israel, and then he's like, I think I really want to stay. And this is in um, yeah, you know, in the Silicon Valley. So I really, I kind of looked at. I think I even opened a map like online. And I was like, hmm, I wonder which university is closest to where he his office is. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was, happens to be Stanford, right? <laughs> it happens to be Stanford. So I call, I call my friend who is, she was my roommate back in second year med school. She's yeah. from America. She's from the US. And I, and I asked her, is Stanford a good university? <laughs> and she's like, mm. like, that's the beginning of a joke, right? Like, how does this joke continue? Like, please yeah. continue. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. where's the punchline? Where's the punchline here? And she's like, it's one of the best. Like, why are yeah, you yeah, it's up there. And I so that would have been that would have been what what year was that? That would have been early days for Silicon Valley, right? I mean, not for Silicon Valley, but for the dot com boom. Yeah, for, that's what, yeah, for yeah. the startup, mm -hmm. the startup scene, all of that. So he would have been in yeah. there quite quite quickly, quite uh, quite early on. Did he work for any big companies? No, he didn't. He worked. He did his own startup 
twice. Now he's working for a mid-sized company. Yeah. So he's always like always looking for these projects that he wants to do. So yeah, we went through the startup roller coaster a couple of times. <laughs> like well he did and I was like bystander. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now now you he's the bystander. Well he's your co-founder of course, isn't he? So when I was doing my research on you, I was listening to some previous podcasts that you've done. And um, I really love the story of how you got into Stanford. It was certainly not mm-hmm. the norm. How it did you how did norm. you do that? <laughs> so I my boss the head of the department where I was at in Israel knew a, a professor at Stanford in psychiatry. Yeah. And I was kind of ambivalent about moving here and also about, you know, what would I do? Cause I like stopping my residency and things like yeah. that. So I, I didn't make an appointment because I was ambivalent about it. And I came to visit my husband and it was like the day before my flight, I just walked in. Like, I was like, okay, let's see. Let's see if I can talk with this guy. This guy's really busy, you know, kind of expected him to be busy and to go, you know, somewhere. Well, they don't normally take walk-ins, right? They do not. (laughs) (laughs) So I walked to the clinic and he was the director of the child and adolescent psychiatry clinic. And I asked the receptionist, I was like, I'm Dr. You know, Nama from Israel. And I'm wondering if I can chat with the professor. And she's like, he just had a cancellation. Walk right in. (laughs) that's brilliant I love it I mean he didn't have to persuade me but he was like oh you know you can't I thought I was I wanted to do clinical work and he's like you can't do clinical work because it takes like a year to get a provisional license from the California Medical Board it's really complicated but you can do research and I was like research I don't know about this you know but my residency had a six months research option so I was like well I can do that and they said you know, I applied for the postdoctoral fellowship in the neuroimaging lab, which he showed me. And there was this uh, really nice assistant professor there who was really interested in hiring me. Um, I had no experience in imaging or research, but I was like, OK, I'll do this for six months. And they're like, no, 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 you have to commit for a year. And I was like, yeah. So I was there for 15 years. <laughs> yeah. 15 years later. 15 I love years. that. I love that. So, I mean, mm-hmm. and through, so th- during those 15 years at Stanford, you were a researcher, but you were also an instructor. What, what were you an instructor on? Yeah. So I did, I started with a, as a postdoctoral fellow. So I did my research fellowship training, which is a job, you know, yeah. you do research, but you also learn a lot. And then I did actually my clinical fellowship. So I did my child and adolescent psychiatry fellowship there after I got my you know, license from yeah. California Medical Board. And then I went back and did research. So instructor is kind of like the lowest faculty. It's not necessarily a teacher. Yeah. I did teach students and postdoctoral fellows and yeah, PhD students, mm-hmm. but most of my work was research. Yeah, great. Yeah. And so was that your work on the sort of child, adolescent, psychiatry side of it? Was that really the inspiration behind, you know, 15 years later, you move out of Stanford and you you and your husband create Girl Intelligence? Was that the inspiration? Did you get that inspiration through doing that work? Where did the, where did that come from? Yeah, it came from many places. That was definitely part of it. I've always been passionate about empowering girls and women, even before I knew the word. <laughs> like the yeah. word empowerment is kind of new to me, you know. And so where does but, that come from? Where does that passion come from? And how old were you when, when you realized that you didn't know the word for it, but that's yeah. you knew you were passionate about it? So I think 
like one of it's it's such a long process and I think it is for all of us like yeah. from our generation and also from the younger generations because I've interviewed a lot of them yeah like at some point you realize that things are different from you because you are a girl mm. and I hated that I did yeah. not want to admit that and I did not want to accept it because how old were you when you realized that I don't know how old I was when I realized it, but there are these experiences that lead you up to it. So for instance, yeah. uh, my parents are awesome, super supportive, awesome people. But growing up, I have a brother who's two years older than me. He would always get the, you know, the building toys. And, and that's, I think that's very common yeah. for, yeah. you know, yeah. even girls today, the science books, the human biology books, the how your human body works yeah. books. And, and I would get, get a the doll. Or the, the dolls, yeah, the fairy yeah, tales, the pretty which stuff. I love, yeah, yeah, absolutely love. No complaints there. But the idea that I have to go to his room to get those books sends a message that yeah. this is not this is not for you. I mean, sure, you can take them, you can use them, you can yeah. play with them, you know, you can do the experiments together, but it's not for you. Yeah. So that's when it starts, kind of, to set the stage. Yeah. And you yeah. know, my mom has a master's in biology it's not like you know yeah. <laughs> she's a scientist but and my dad has a PhD in physics it's not like they didn't have the background that's, that's funny how, then isn't it that you know if you, even with your mom having a sort of STEM background as well that she didn't mm-hmm. automatically provide that or or you know push you that way uh, as a child mm-hmm. that that's that is a bit funny isn't it I think it's just very it's culturally this, yeah, you I just think, don't really think about it I know they never told me not to they yeah. never told me don't do the experiments or don't yeah. build these things. Um, yeah, but it wasn't yeah, the think... first thing that they would buy for you. I and I exactly. think you're right. You know, I, I think I was brought up like that as well. I mean, I was very much a tomboy growing up, so BMXs mm-hmm. and footballs were my thing. But my mom was forever trying to get me in a dress or a skirt. You know, mm-hmm. and it, it was like no. Like never. And now my daughter is exactly the same. All right. Awesome. So, yeah. So the question was, we sort of digress a little bit. Um, yeah. What was the what was the inspiration around girl intelligence and, and yeah. how did the work from Stanford really push you in that direction? Yeah. So the work from Stanford added to my experience growing up as a girl and as a woman. So yeah. as a girl and as a woman, you realize that you have some disadvantages. Um, Mm -hmm. in life and in career, in relationships sometimes. So, and you kind of have to figure it out, a lot of it on your own. Yeah. Because there's a lot of unspoken things. And I realized that throughout my life, and I had, when I was at Stanford, my, I loved all my patients, but my speciality was teenage girls. Like I just loved working with them. And kind of like hearing what they're going through and helping them deal with whatever it is. Like yeah. that was like my yeah. strength. And and the team there, like the directors, they knew that and they would give me the most challenging cases to answer your question. So having those experience, what I've noticed that throughout my life, an incredible source of support was my friends. Mm-hmm. My mostly my I didn't have many male friends, honestly. Mm-hmm. I have some, but most of my friends are women. Mm-hmm. And we really supported each other, you know, throughout, I have a good friend that I've had since kindergarten, like throughout high school, throughout like all our experiences, all our lives, having a group of friends that support you is just, yeah, priceless. It's incredible. And also at work, having mentors, having women who are a little bit older than you who are supportive, not every woman is obviously, but those gems who are literally saved my life, I think. So 
having that community is just so, so important. And that is what gave me the idea yeah. to build an app that would create that on a, on a larger scale. Yeah. That everybody can have access to get support and also to offer support. And it's not just the idea is we need that. And then I've looked at all the research about how to empower women and yeah. how to improve their mental and physical health. And having a supportive group, it doesn't have to be talking about your problems or it doesn't have yeah. to be talking about a crisis. Just to have it in the background to talk about anything yeah. at all, that improves our success, our confidence, our mental health, our physical health, everything. Yeah. It's important for everyone. It is more important for women. So that is what gave me the idea. Great. And I, I mean, it's, it is such a really great idea. And I was looking at the, I haven't downloaded the app myself, but I was looking at the website today and because I was looking to think, oh, I'll get my, I'll get my daughter to join, but I see your age group's 13 up. But before we go into the features and the details around the app, because I really want to get into that because they're so good, because it's something we never had when we were young, right? So you spoke about the inspiration behind it. So your husband's a programmer. So he built it, he co-founded it with you and mm -hmm. you went through this build. How was, what kind of experience was that then working with your husband? How long did it take? And did you already know, did you have that sort of, you know, that vision in your head that you knew exactly what you, what it, what it would look like? Yeah, it is not easy. It <laughs> takes much longer than you think, yeah, <laughs> than you yeah. want, than you yeah. would like. And there is so much trial and error. Yeah. It's such, it's such a painful process. However, you know, it's also, this. I just love that kind of work. So one thing yeah. that bothered me in academia, where it was a very, very rigid system. Yeah. And when you want to create something new, which is usually a study, you have to comply with so many rules. And some of them are necessary, right? Like, yeah. you, you really need, you know, you can't just research things that are not going to work but it's such a long process and you cannot really be creative at the end of the day you can yeah. and some of it is justified and some of it is not some of it is is uh, the system should change some yeah. of it is justified what I love about this is that I can dream up anything I want like I can build up because I have so I just actually designed most of it and I do most of anything that's not programming so far yes. yeah I do yeah so but so we can come up with an idea. I can talk with girls and there will be like, they say something. Oh, I really wish this, we could do this and I can build it. And in yeah. a month it's going to be up and I don't have to, here's the thing. I don't have to ask permission, permission yeah, from yeah. anyone. Um, and that's, that's must be so freeing after mm -hmm. 15 years in academia and just yeah. constantly asking permission for things and, you mm -hmm. know, having to jump through hoops for funding and reporting mm -hmm. and all of that sort of KPIs yeah. that need to go with that. So, yes. yeah. So, you, so then you must have felt a new sense of freedom and creativity in your life then when you when you left that and moved into into doing this. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 OK. And then so you started that June 2018. You launched the beta 2020, was it? 2019. 2020. Yeah, it was January 2020. Yeah. Okay. So we launched the beta. Yeah. Yeah. And so what did you launch that with? Did you have some early users, early adopters? What What was your, how, what did your launch look like? Yeah. So we kind of subscribe to this piece of philosophy, but kind of like the new way of thinking about it, which I really love is that there's no big launch. There are like yeah. many, many launches yeah. and you try something and you see how it fits and then you pivot a little bit or you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we didn't have a big launch, but so when we were researching the app and creating the app and building the app, I was 
getting emails. I was doing, Gen Z doesn't open emails, but we were getting the, it anyway, building our Instagram account, uh, yeah. getting followers, getting kind of building our initial community. Mm-hmm. I can't, all my friends and acquaintances connected me with their daughters and some of them are on our leadership group, some of the daughters, which is really awesome. Uh, some of them I know since they were like, you know, babies. Yeah. So I did a lot of focus groups. People were so, so, so helpful mm-hmm. in our school district. Any, anybody I talked with, you know, 99.9% of the people have been incredibly helpful and supportive and going out of their way. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, I know this girl who would be perfect for this. And then sh- the girls would get their, you know, their friends and we would, I would bring cupcakes and we would have like this brainstorming session Great. on what you want, what, you know, what colors you like, even like everything. Yeah. So, so you, those were our first users. Yeah. So you, you, you went through the whole user-centered design process. Mm-hmm. So, well, let's get into it. Girl Intelligence, an app that empowers young girls and young women Mm -hmm. from 13 years up to what age any is there any we don't have a hard stop yeah okay yeah let's get into it then tell me tell me the vision Mm -hmm. tell me all of the the features yeah so we were looking at and talking with what girls need and and they were very like I just adore this generation so much they are so vocal like they tell you exactly what they love and what they hate which is awesome and they told me that they wanted a place where they can connect with other girls because sometimes you have even if you have your network of girls a lot of times the network changes and then it's only you know girls your age or that you know those five girls or those you yeah. know, six girls that you know how about the perspective on a, at, you know on a larger scale so so the first thing we built was a place where it's called it's within the girl intelligence app it's a it's a tab called called girl talk where mm-hmm. they uh, can talk with other girls it is tailored by age so it's customized by age so you obviously yeah. the 13 year olds have their own topics that they're interested in and the 20 year olds have their own topics that they're interested in and probably the 13 year olds shouldn't necessarily see the the, yeah. the topics that 20 year olds are talking yeah. about and the 20 year olds don't want to hear endless discussions about your first period and you know yeah. pads and tampons yeah. and things yeah. like that but there is an option to you know for younger girls to ask the older girls questions like if they have yeah, um, that perspective of a few years yeah is so incredibly powerful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's not your parents it's not mm-hmm. your aunts you know mm-hmm. it's someone who's mm-hmm. just who's in your, your generation yeah it can help you so there's a double benefit of having a community that you can always go to talk mm-hmm. about anything they talk about anything from hey what are you watching right now I think the last discussion was who was your celebrity crush when you were you know when you were a young yeah. teenager yeah and with gifts and everything like that to some very deep conversations about Mm. very uh, you know intense topics so it really runs the gamut and so it has the component that you can get you can always have that sisterhood on your phone no matter where you are in life what's happening with your friend group you know what's happening in your life you can always ask and because there's so many girls there you can have those amazing perspectives of girls you know how we have an amazing woman on the leadership board who was adopted she's she's a foster kid and she shares her experience a lot on the app because it's like, you know, what are the, what are your odds of most people meeting a foster child? I mean, yeah, yeah. And having grown in that situation. So like whenever people are talking about difficulties with their parents, she kind of like talks about her experience. And it's just such an interesting. And I have think, like, yeah. 
Sorry, I was just about to say, you know, I think having that perspective of somebody who didn't grow up with the traditional parents mm-hmm. would then probably, you know, give you as a 13 year old a whole different perspective on 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 actually appreciating, you know, yeah. maybe your maybe your parents are really annoying you that day, but actually appreciating yeah. that you do have them and that there's people who grow up without them. So Right. You know, I, re- I really love that. You spoke there about the leadership board. What does that look like? When who, who is on that and, and what does that do? Yeah, so we have an incredible leadership board. So when so we launched in, I think it was end of January 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then COVID hit in March. Yeah. So I thought I was thinking about recruiting a leadership board because I was doing focus groups, which were in person. Yeah. And it was a one-time thing usually. I had connections with some of them. But I thought it would be like in, crucial, actually, to have when you're building a product that is not for you. It's like it's not even for my generation. You need constant input from the people you serve. Right? Yeah. So having so when COVID hit, I thought this is a great opportunity to recruit uh, a group of girls that it will be an, ex, an amazing extracurricular activity for them. Yeah. Um, and they will help us with all the questions that we have. And they have you know, exceeded my wildest dreams because they're yeah. just, so I just put it out there to my network and people were super, super helpful forwarding it to teachers, to, you know, people who work with teens, people who work with college students. And we got over a hundred applications Great, and just amazing young women. And do your leadership leadership team then, what's the word I'm looking for, communicate and, and just sort of direct and, and, and jump into conversations and are, are there to provide advice? Or what, did the, what do they do as a function? Yeah, so they have the, the basic, the main function that I wanted was to advise us. Right. Yeah. So they're all, mm-hmm. they're they're all on the app, obviously. But kind of like everything we do, they can tell us, oh, this this is you know, this is working. This I like this. I don't like and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing they spontaneously said after a while. They're like, oh, we really want to form committees so that we work on something specific on the app. So we do have a girl talk committee, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, they are on the app. They can't jump into every single conversation. You know, some days are busier than others. But they kind of like are on the app every day, kind of seeing, oh, I can jump in here. Yeah. This is another wonderful thing about the app. So if you're if you're like I was when I was growing up, you know, mm-hmm. being a buddy psychiatrist, and if you're really interested in helping other girls, yeah, this is such a great opportunity. If you're interested in psychology, if you're a psychology student, we have you know college students. It's a great way. You're not doing therapy. You're not a therapist. Yeah. Uh, but it's such a great place to kind of practice those skills, just as a caring human being yeah yeah and you have you know younger girls who can use your advice and you're just a little bit older this is just such a great place I'm not aware of any other place where you can actually do that yeah, um, yeah. so kind of so that was your so your first your first development was the the girl talk part or the first feature was the girl talk part is there yes. anything else came from from that point so actually, I think both features were about the same time because we were mm-hmm. testing them. So there's a girl wisdom part mm-hmm. where girls create content, things they wish they knew when they were younger or anything about, we have so many topics, identity, mental health, physical health, things mm-hmm. I wish I knew is the newest one, LGBTQ plus topics. And they create, none of it is from us. Yeah. They, it can be anything from threads to memes to, there is one topic called music and moods where they put like, music that they listen when they're in this certain mood yeah um, I love that 
So all those things, they just post there and people can just go and browse and learn things. And a lot of it is like information that we wish we knew. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, yeah. like, you know, what is gaslighting or what, you yeah. know, what to do when, you're, when a friend is, de- how to help a friend who is depressed. Yeah. Uh, what to do when you're anxious, you know, things like that. So everything is pre-approved, pre-screened. So we know there's not, nothing there. It's, yeah. uh, it doesn't have to, I don't have to agree with everything. It doesn't have to, it doesn't yeah. have to be my opinion at all. Yeah. But it does have to be helpful. <laughs> and, is, there, is there a level of moderation required then with, particularly with the, the younger groups or, you know, do you have to have to do that with, with all of the posts or mm-hmm. how do you do that? How do you work that? Yeah. So that is where the app gets really complicated behind the scenes yeah so we do like our first priority is the well-being of the girls uh, and the young women on the app so we do have we are developing we're slowly releasing the ai and the ai keeps the community supportive and you know no bullying all that for the younger girls it's all pre-screened by humans because ai is not a hundred percent and we want it to be a hundred percent so yeah so for the younger girls, we have we have an admin board and, you know, we look at all the posts. It's usually pretty quick, but it's not real time for the younger girls. But for the girls who are over 15, you know, we're, we're like just like about like we have the we're testing out the final stages, steps of the AI. But yeah, they can talk real time, but we're yeah. very proactive yeah. and protective. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So, so you're 12, 14 months in then from your beta launch. Where, how many members do you have now? Where are you? What's your next? I should have gotten the the numbers this morning, but we have over your head. Yeah, we have over five thousand. Wow. And is that global, all over the place, or mainly U.S.? Do you know? It is global, but it is yeah. mainly US. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. great. But but it's on. Like if the kids wanted to find it, it, it's just on the the normal app store. Yes. So uh, we we're not in Europe, which includes England, Britain, and sorry, for now. But we are. So here's the thing. So Europe has GDPR. Yep. We are totally compliant because we're you know we yep. care about our users. Yeah, of course. Pri- privacy, but they made it so like it wasn't clear the how it's set up like you can we didn't want to get fined just because we didn't we forgot like a little so and it wasn't like easy to find how to set up it it was easy to find how to set up a website but not so much an app so I researched it a lot and we figured like at the beginning I was like okay we can focus on the US it's big enough for us right but actually I researched it and we set up we have we're all set up to launch in Europe we just need to release it so yeah coincide with the AI so it will be in Europe very very soon Oh, that's good. Yeah. Right. So you've got, wow, 5,000 members. Great. That's in over a year. That's awesome, right? That's really, really good. You have to be pleased with that. And it, this is free. Let's point out this is free for kids, for, yes. for young mm-hmm. girls and, and young women. What's next then? Where do you want this to go? What's your ultimate vision? How are you going to take over the world with this? What mm-hmm. What do you want it to look like? Yeah. I My vision is I want it to be the place where girls go for when they kind of want to let your hair, their hair down and be themselves, yeah. their authentic selves, um, yeah. there's no pictures on the app and connect with the sisterhood and then have those conversations and get that support and also create that content. So that like one of the things we always said to me and my friends is that I wish someone told me this, like, I wish I, I knew know. this. Yeah. Um, like, why did I have to go through all this pain to figure this out? So everything 
so for girls to know that everything they're going through or everything that they want to talk about, there are other girls out there that have already experienced it most of, most likely or are just there to chat. So that's my great. my that's my vision for every girl to have intelligence on her phone. Yeah, <laughs> and brilliant. That place. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, what other features do you have on the app that you that really sort of differentiate you from from other from other apps? Is there a competition? Yeah. So there's no direct competition. There's right. not a lot of people who work with this in this space. Yeah. I think there's like a lot of women entrepreneurs either want to create stuff products for their demographic, which is usually twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, or whatever it is, and or or for their children, and it's usually babies yeah. <laughs> or you know yeah. young children. Yeah. Not a lot of people target teenagers. I think a lot of people are scared of yeah. dealing with that age range. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have dealt with that age range my entire career. So just love working with them. Yeah. And so what makes the app stand out? What features do you think are are really, you know, really useful for the girls on the app? Yeah. So that's a a big one that they always mention is the fact that you can be jump between anonymous and non-anonymous. Like when you're not anonymous, people know you. That's another thing. Like people know how awesome you are, how great your advice is. Mm -hmm. People recognize your name. You can have those conversations so that's really awesome and they keep telling me that there's really no other place that they can just have these conversations that are super relaxed mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about your image at all and you also don't have to worry about being which is something that happens to girls a lot online being silenced yeah. being bullied mm-hmm. being used yeah and so what in what circumstances are, would the girls use the anonymous function yeah so whenever they want to ask something that is a little private or that they don't want people to know that it's them yeah you know relationships uh family issues or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or even when they just don't you know just don't want to put themselves out there and that particularly yeah. doesn't have to be anything sensitive sure. so they can just choose every single time they don't have to create like a you know, on reddit you create a throwaway account yeah like you have to create multiple accounts yeah. Uh, also, yeah. Reddit is uh, Reddit is very different, but also seventy percent male. Has there been any circumstance where you've had to help? You know, you've had to step in if there, you know, some sort of crisis, or how do you recognize that? And if there is, if you if you do see that on the app, how what do you do to help and step in there? Yeah. So whenever they post, they have to say like we have a pop up that they have to to state that this is not a crisis because. Girls on the app are just, they're not professionals and they're not equipped to handle crisis. There are other apps that are 24-7 crisis management um, apps and we are just not equipped for that. So they do have to say that it's not a crisis. Of course, they can ignore that and post a crisis anyway. And that has happened. So we detect that and we send them. So usually those posts don't even come up. They come up only for us and for them. Sure. And we send them, we do have a, a crisis resource list on the app all the time in the menu. Yeah, but when anybody posts something that looks like a crisis or is a crisis, we send them a very supportive message from us with mm-hmm. all the resources and encouraging her to connect yeah. with the resources and telling her, you know, that the girls are not you're just not equipped for that. It's like not yeah. the right. Yeah. There's so many amazing apps that can help her. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's good, though, because it's some that's something that, you know, as a mother, we're both mothers, you know, you you would know that if you if your daughter was using an app like that, if there was an instance where they they were using the app instead of coming to you, then there Mm -hmm. is responsible features on there that allows them to to be handled with care and with the knowledge that that would help them. So no, that's really great. I love it. I really love the fact that we share just this huge passion for empowering women. And I think what you're doing 
doing for young girls and young women is it's really really great because it's empower them early and like you said this generation growing up are far more active and vocal about what they like and what they don't like so long may that continue as they grow into into young women all right well thank you so much nama that has been a pleasure i'm so pleased we finally got got around to to making the time to do the podcast tonight and i really appreciate your time thank you so much Thank you for having me. It was such an awesome conversation.